turn in your Bible to the book of John, John chapter 2. I don't know how many times on Mother's Day I have preached, or whatever it is that I do, out of this uh, out of this chapter. Uh, it was uh, 35 years ago today that I stood up and preached from this chapter. Um, so, in some ways, this is an, an historic day because, um, as of now, all of us are indicating the longest tenure of any pastor at this place, which is kind of an interesting thing. So, um, but I think, I think that over the years I was praying about this, we have, um, we've all been part of many different churches in this house. We've seen many different ways that God has transitioned and builded this body and um, I, I believe that the Spirit wants to say something fresh to us today uh, from this passage which cites Jesus' first mir- miracle in his public ministry. And so far today in this house, we have heard a lot about timing. Uh, Monica was here in Sunday school at at this pulpit, it's speaking about waiting on the Lord and the transition that God is affecting in us um, and what that time frame feels like. Um, the worship time, there were many songs and expressions about timing. And um, I believe that the Lord is going to say something to us uh, about what Jesus said concerning his hour not yet coming. Uh, And so let's read a few verses and then we'll talk about this because I feel that there are two main rhemas that the Father wants to release from this living word to us. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with you? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now we recognize that there was the the process then of the Lord telling the servants to fill the cleansing uh, stone jars with water, and that what eventually came was, and there are all kinds of opinions, no matter what commentators you read, somewhere between 125 to 180 gallons of wine. That's, that's almost what Luke and Sylvie have each week. And uh, it's, uh, it's really a, a wonderful miracle, and there are so many ways that we've looked at this before. But I wanted to, by virtue of the Spirit direction, to talk about my hour has not yet come. Um, Because I think that it's been somewhat of a mystery to see what Jesus was saying here. And some felt that in some way perhaps he was rebuking Mary. Uh, I don't believe that at all. Um, I, I know that 
nine times in the Bible, there is reference to Jesus' hour in specific moments. And those, uh, those, are, those are not um, repeats. In other words, they're not uh, the retellings of, of things as so often is the case in, um, in the Gospels. But the hour of the Lord is something that really speaks of a season. It speaks of transitional moments. You realize that there were many transitions in Jesus' walk, in, in, in his, his ministry. And so when Jesus said, uh, what have I to do with you, woman? My hour is not yet come. Let's talk about some of the, the factors that were here. Now, just a couple of days before Jesus was baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And from that point, you then have John the Baptist the next day looking at Jesus and saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, standing there with John were two of his disciples, Andrew and most likely the author of this book, John. And um, John was really good about that. If you want to read more about it, read Dennis's wonderful book, uh, Hereby We Know. He writes a wonderful treatise on John's life and ministry. But John was very um, subdued in identifying himself. But it was Andrew uh, and John who then come to follow Jesus. So Andrew was really the first one, arguably, who was... um, a disciple. And so then he goes and finds his brother, Peter, and says, come, we found the Messiah. So Peter comes and Jesus said, you know, identifies who he is and you're going to be called this from this day. And so then the next day, these three guys, or these fellows, they go with Jesus and they find Philip, who then finds Nathaniel. So when they come to this wedding, Jesus has five disciples. He hasn't called any of the other ones yet. And we, you can research what happens. We know that um, John goes back to the boats where his brother James is, and Jesus comes and calls them both. But at this point, John is there. So um, uh, it's it's likely that one of the things that Jesus was indicating to his mother was, you know what, before I really start doing what what I'm supposed to be doing, five isn't going to cut it. You know, there's still some others that need to come along, and they came on with great rapidity. But you know, you got to hand it to to what Mary was doing here. You know, the Catholics deify her. But she really, she really was a, a, good, a good woman, and she, she partnered with God in the greatest miracle that mankind, that anywhere in creation would ever know, the birth of Jesus. And she really trusted her son. She knew that he was called by God to be the mighty one of, of all history. And I'm certain that she had seen him give advice on a number of occasions that then God honored to bring provision. By this time, you know, Joseph, 
Jesus' earthly father wasn't anywhere to be found. We don't hear anything more of him. So it's likely that Jesus stood in the role of the, of the man of the house. Jesus had four brothers, the oldest of which was James or Jacob. Um, and um, those four brothers were, were there. They were famous being with Mary where they came to where Jesus was. And it says Mary and Jesus' brothers were there. And they said, call him out to us. He's beside himself. So, uh, but, but Jesus was basically, undoubtedly, responsible for the household. And I don't think he was, you know, this, this was his first miracle, but I believe that he was certainly demonstrating faith throughout those days of that upbringing. And Mary had become used to Jesus giving advice or saying, why don't we do this? And then God would come through in a mighty way. So she was very confident when uh, this wedding ran out of wine to say to Jesus, hey, you know what, they're out of wine, because she had undoubtedly seen the Lord uh, as the, the, the representative within that home prov- bring provision. And I'm sure that there were a lot of times where they, as a people of faith, came together and perhaps, I'm, I'm not adding to the Scripture, but perhaps believe God for some kind of provision or some kind of a, a good thing to happen, and and they would respond in, in obedience prophetically, and God would provide, which to me makes perfect sense for what Mary asked here. She was used to that kind of thing happening, which would then say, uh, when she talked to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. She was used to that happening. Now, Jesus was not yet ready to, to as I said, he only had five disciples here. And, um, and you can do the math yourself, not while I'm preaching, but in the, the last chapter, you can read about it. Um, so he was waiting on what he knew had to yet be fulfilled before he could start really launching into the types of things that, that the Father had appointed for him to do. Um, and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, a very interesting, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, it's, it's just a very interesting thing. Uh, Jesus was here at a moment where he was waiting on the time of, the, of, of God, the timing. He, was, he knew things were happening. God was positioning things, but yet it was not yet time. And, and I believe we're in that moment. I, I believe that is somewhat, very obviously, the theme of the day for us as a saints network and as this body. You know, we, are, we know God has given promises. We know that the Father has spoken things. We've, we've seen him work in a lot of different ways. We have walk the pathway of obeying God to the best of our ability, and God has always provided. But yet we know that the transitional time that we're in is going to be launched in in a great point of breakthrough, but we're just waiting on what God would say while we're preparing, while we're preparing ourselves. How do we prepare? Well, we continue to pray. We continue to do the things we need to do. We continue to put things in motion, uh, and um, we, we're positioning ourselves, but we're waiting. And that's kind of an awkward 
thing. So when Jesus was saying to his mother, what have I to do with you, woman? It was more of a thing, as, as we probably all said to our mothers, and we've all had, we all had a mother. Um, you know, mom always thinks that we can do everything, you know, that we can do anything. And I don't remember, I, I can't remember how many times it was that my mother would say something publicly uh, that just thoroughly embarrassed me, you know, because many of you were active in church from the time you were young. I know you were. I was too. And um, some of you had some very strong mothers, and they probably were believed that you could do anything. And uh, they would put you in position, and you, you knew, okay, you didn't doubt, you just did it. Isn't that true? And uh, so this was, uh, this was what Jesus was saying, wasn't say, be quiet, woman. You know, he could recognize that his mother had the greatest confidence in the world, and of all mothers, I mean, this, this Gabriel was given instructions about what this boy was going to be. And, and so, you know, he wasn't being disrespectful. I think that he was used to this kind of thing, and he probably, he probably would say that on a go, oh, Mom. You know, he, he had a relationship with her. And, uh, but he was fully admitting that even though he had been baptized, even though the Father had spoken as thunder, above that baptismal, even though John twice recognized at this early moment, this is the Lamb of God, to the, to the degree that he told two of his chiefest disciples, there's the Lamb of God, and basically released them. All of this was happening, but Jesus knew it wasn't yet the full timing for what was supposed to come. It was happening, but it wasn't happening. Does that make sense? It was, everything was, was occurring, but yet it wasn't complete to where the actual, dare I say, breakthrough was going to come. So it's interesting that this miracle with the water and the wine happens. And, um, you know, we know this story. Again, I preached on it. You've taught on it. But in verse 11, it says, This beginning of miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and those five disciples believed on him. Uh, that's, that's an amazing thing. But his hour had not yet come. It was, it was evolving. It was developing. He knew the hour was there. I mean, think about it. If he didn't, he wouldn't have been baptized. If he didn't, he wouldn't have... He, the Father would not have done that great demonstration with the dove and the voice's thunder and people knowing it in the preeminent prophet in the land, the greatest born of women, according to Jesus, stating, this is the Lamb of God. I'm not even worthy to unlatch the shoe. I mean, for many people, if that had happened, they'd say, boy, we're on a roll now. Here we go. But Jesus is saying, my hour hasn't come yet. So he's still waiting on God, even though he knows that it has begun. And I think that that is one of the most awkward times. There are two other factors that are here. First is the marriage. Um, and, you know, we're, we're to be joint heirs with Christ. There's the picture of us being partnered together with God in this, in this marriage. And the other is, is so important these people had run out of wine. They had run out of something that was indicative of the festivity of joining people together. 
And I don't think we can, I don't think we can uh, over, overplay this. Um, there are so many times in life where we feel like we've run out of wine. You know, the, this wedding feast is going on. It's not done yet. And they're out of wine. Have you felt that way? Forget about whatever you feel about wine and what it represents. But is some measure of your life feel as if something has ended, you've run out, and you're, you're in need of something further? I know I have. I don't doubt at all what God has said. I, I, I've walked this with you. We've agreed together. We've partnered in this. Um, but there have been times over this past couple of years, and this is not a statement of unbelief or doubt. It's, it's a statement of saying God brings us to a point where we recognize in transition, all right, it's like the, it's like the leaven. Well, the leaven of the past is gone. Now here we are with a fresh lump of dough with no leaven. We've got to start afresh, but yet it's a continuation. We've had lots of victories. We've had incredible miracles, and we have. But now we're in this moment where we know God is doing something. It's been stated. Things are set. We see the signs around us, but yet there's that vacuous feeling that comes. It's like a hunger from the spirit realm, and we say, what? <laughs> What's going on, Lord? You know, it's not doubt. It's not, well, you know, I better jettison and go find something else. I, I would hope that's not the case. Some feel that at times, and they, some have left. Uh, you know, but, but yet we know what God has said. This is all in this passage right here. This is such a gold mine. They're out of wine. Do you feel that way? Well, whatever he says to you, do it. Don't go trying to buy wine. Jesus didn't say, hey, you know, go down there and there'll be a couple of fish laying on the ground. They reach in his mouth. There'll be a couple of drachma there. You go and buy the best wine. Go, like, like Scrooge. Go and buy the best wine you can find and bring it back here. If you're back here in a few minutes, I'll give you some more money. He could have done that. That would have been a miracle. In some ways, but they're dealing with water. They're, they're pouring water into these big stone jars. They didn't have an advanced copy of this book to know, hey, if we do this, we're going to have this. For what they felt, we're out of wine, and we're working hard to fill these big jars with firkins full of water. And all we got is water. We fill it to the brim, but it's just water. Some of the things you're doing right now, you're obeying what Jesus said. You know that things are progressing, but it, it feels kind of empty. But whatever he says to you, do it. And in the drawing out, the wine comes. It's kind of like Andrew, who was the first, the first disciple he was the one that found the boy with the loaves and fishes. You can read about it. 
In some ways, he was somewhat industrious. Both he and John, they were younger brothers of, of, um, of James, James the Greater, they call him, and Peter. But they were kind of industrious, you know. I think you could say that about John. They investigated things, which is why both of them were hanging out with John the Baptist. But it's, it's very interesting that um, they're, 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 they're all watching this. You know, I think John and Andrew were people that were very creative. They, they were, you don't call John a son of thunder for, for no reason. I mean, he's a man of action. Peter, strong, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be embarrassed. I'm going to do what has to be done. Nathaniel, who receives words from God sitting under the tree. Philip, who seems to be really evangelistic. They're all there. They're watching what's going to go on. So what's Jesus do? There aren't trumpet blasts from heaven. There, you know, there's no angel that appears and behold. In fact, um, uh, it, it probably seems kind of anticlimactic. They're watching this guy that they have committed to follow. And what's he tell these servants to do? Okay, get busy, get some water, put it in here. That's not exciting. Man, we want some excitement. We want it now. We're in transition. we got to have some explosions to follow. That's not what Jesus is doing, is it? And whatever he says to you, do it. That's kind of strange. So this story is knowing that something incredible is beginning, but it's not really there yet. This story is feeling, how do you provide when you don't have what you feel you need? This story is taking steps of faith and laboring in things that don't make much sense at the time. This is all part of this, but yet they're all still there. Mary's there. Every one of these fiery seers and mighty men that had joined with Jesus were there. They weren't, they weren't going anywhere. I mean, it would have been easy to skirk out. Hey, you see what he's doing over there? He's telling them to fill us with water. Man, are we going to be embarrassed. We better get out of here. No, they're all there. And I feel like we're here. We're filling water pots. We're working on things that haven't started yet. And believe me, we're laboring in that way. And uh, we know that God has put some things together, but arguably in this story, less than half of his disciples were there. Less than half of them. So there was still other work that had to be done. But yet God was beginning, but it wasn't there yet. That's a weird thing. See, we don't, we don't think of it that way, but it, it, really is, it really is interesting. So when he says, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour isn't yet come. Um, you know, it, and let's say it this way. Let's say that what I suggested is true, that Mary had seen these kinds of things in faith happening. And some way that God was providing. Because they had, they had a pretty, Jesus had a bunch of kids. It wasn't just him and, and his little brother. I mean, he had four brothers, and he had uh, unnamed sisters, some unnamed sisters, others that were siblings. And how do you provide for that? How, that 
that's not easy. You know, that, that really isn't it. There weren't any government programs. There weren't any bailout checks coming from Washington. You know, none of that was there. Um, but, but Jesus, somehow in faith, they believed God. So they relied on what they knew to do to that point. Mary was confident in, confident in that. And um, I think that our story in this time of waiting and in this timing of God is to, con- is to know and recognize that something has begun. It's, it's not there yet, but it is well in the process of development. We have pieces in place, but there are more coming. Um, the Father is orchestrating this thing. He's spoken things very clearly in dream and in audible words that, that have been resonated by angels and from the very heart of God. We've heard them. We've seen them. But yet things are in that things where, where it's begun, but the hour has not yet come. It's interesting. Now, I, I, we could, I encourage you to study about the nine times that it speaks about Jesus' hour because some of them, the enemy was trying to kill him. And it says that they weren't able to do it because Jesus' hour had not yet come. That is a great warfare strategy. You're following God, and if the enemy tries something, waiting on the timing of God and trusting in the time of God, timing of God is a wonderful defensive wall. And I believe that we've known that in the past in a number of ways. But the timing of God is something that is uh, a partnership with him. And it, we, don't, we don't have, um, we, don't, we don't really, what we know is what God has said. We don't often know what's coming next, but what we have to do is wait, and we have to walk and do what he says to do, but not get ahead of him, not jump ship, don't abandon course. God is always faithful. All of that is right here. All of that is right here. Was the marriage of Cana supposed to happen in this way? Was the miracle supposed to happen? I believe it was. I really do. I think this, this, every part of this was right. I don't think Mary was out of line at all. And I don't think that Jesus was being, um, uh, was being abrasive with his mother. Um, I, I, I think we see our own lives in a lot of this. But um, I do also see that of all days, um, we can see the transitional moment God has us in. We know he's begun something, but yet for all the world right here, it looks like things are incomplete. And they are to a certain degree. I mean, there's still seven more disciples that need to come. And in fact, if you look, if you did some study, which is easy to do, about what happened to these disciples after, um, after they... Um, after Jesus rose, uh, Andrew was the first to be martyred. He was, he was, so he was first in, first out. We don't hear that much about him, but the Bible tells us this is what happened. Um, later on, James, the, the greater, which meant the older brother of John, he was killed. 
And Jesus, the eldest brother Jesus had under him, of course, that James came into a more prominent role at that time. So it was one James for another. And um, James then became a voice for the church there in Jerusalem. Um, why it took probably 10 years before that happened, I don't know. But once again, it's God's timing. Uh, Jesus' brother James, he saw things that were happening. He, he probably was one that uh, was, was saying, hey, are you going to go up to the feast? Why don't you go prove yourself? He there was four of them. He was the eldest. I'm sure he was in the middle of it. Um, there were times that he stood outside when Jesus was in there teaching, uh, and they're saying, get him out here. So sometimes it takes people a little bit longer to come online in the timing of God. Wouldn't it have been great if, if Jesus' brother James, the, 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 which would be then the pastor of the Jerusalem church, would have just risen up and been, he wasn't even a disciple. You know, there were two Jameses in this 12 group of 12, but Jesus' brother James wasn't one of them. Uh, wouldn't it have been great if we were writing it up? Hey, wouldn't it really be good if one of your brothers was on this was on this group, it would really bring family unity, you know, really show mom that we're behind him. But no, that doesn't happen. But that James comes along later and becomes a stalwart in the church. I mean, who's to judge God's timing? We know what we know, and we have to trust it in faith. Yeah, do you know how many influences right now don't want you and you and you and all of us to move forward in what God's promised? Man, I tell you, I haven't faced such spiritual conflict in, in warfare in, in, in a very intrinsic, very integral way. I haven't felt anything like it. No matter what we've been through, we, and we've been through some stuff, haven't we? Um, the enemy knows <laughs> a lot of what's of what God has in store because he knows what's been prophesied and he's heard what God has said to you and to to us and how it's been prophesied and how the scripture is being revealed this is a strange time as was all of the moments where the hour of the Lord transitioned can you imagine that the very son of God Arguably, I don't know how many segments, but nine times it's brought into question that the hour wasn't yet come, things were transitioning. I think that perhaps those were moments when the Lord was, dare I say, under attack spiritually to try to, to, try to disengage him from the moment of the Father where he has to move into the new thing. We, this is an interesting time, but it's all right here. It's, it's all right here. Uh, and I am so very thankful for this. Um, I, I, I really, really am. Because, um, you know, I, I don't know what we think. You know, you've seen the Chosen movie. That's a really good scene when they come to this wedding, and it's kind of cool. But you think, I mean, these, these five disciples had just been disciples on in one instance, two of them for one day, and the other three for two. That's quick, isn't it? 
That, that's pretty quick. You can call them disciples. They were disciples, but they were rookies. Rookies just signed, and there they were. You talk about my hour has not yet come. There were a lot of things Jesus had to say to these guys and, and bring in the other seven before, before they were really going to be engaged in city appearances and in things that we've all read they did. Had it begun? Yes, it had begun. The Father did that. But yet Jesus is saying, look, we're still, we're, we're not, we don't have enough to field a team yet. Do you think that's fair for me to say that? <laughs> I think so. My hour has not yet come, but yet the hour had begun. We're there. We're there right now. And I love this gift that keeps giving, this first miracle of Jesus. Because, you know, the first, the first fruits, the, the law of first issuance, what we are in Christ is all right here. What we are is all right here. And we don't really even know what all is coming. Uh, we know what's happened. We know what God has said. Uh, and, um, but the hour, we're in it, but it's not yet come. It's there. It's almost there. Uh, there's a whole lot of filling with water. <laughs> the wine of, of the last, vi uh, the, the wine, our wine supply is pretty dry, but yet we're right where God wants us, and we're laboring. We're working, and it's a good thing. God is with us. But I, I have to admit that I, in all the times that I, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret. <clears throat> you know, when, when it came time for the, the pastor, the election for the pastorate, which was 35 years ago, um, there were a lot of people in this place who thought that I was way too young, even though they'd known me. And I was young. We were young. Um, and I thought, I got to preach twice. I got to preach in the morning and I got to preach at night. And then they're going to vote on me. That's, that's a lot of pressure, you know. And, um, but it's okay. It was what God wanted. And so I knew I was supposed to speak in the evening out of Isaiah about when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit will raise up a standard. I didn't really know. Uh, I, I could see now why we were talking about that on that day because we've been in warfare in the things that God has had us do. But I knew on Sunday morning, a Mother's Day crowd, we, we needed to really say something that was endearing, Some, but something that the Lord had directed. So... I was praying about this, and I, there are a lot of other factors that were going on in that season, which was really wacky. You know, if you've got a pastorate that's coming up, suddenly, you know, it's like, it's like a water hole in, in the wilderness. You've got all kinds of creatures coming because they all want the water. And um, so about a month before this day, uh, I was... I was listening to a sermon by Jack Hayford, and um, he started to talk about Mary 
and this episode, and he went in, if you ever heard Pastor Jack, he went into this whole routine about Firkins, and he was talking about the, the, the people that were serving and filling these jugs up, and, you know, he, he said the thing, they didn't have an advanced copy of the gospel, and everybody was laughing, you know, and, and I, I was just, I, I kept thinking about that as the weeks went by, about what Jack had said, and I thought, man, that that guy really is so smart, and he can he speaks, and he's funny, and I thought, Lord, did just why did I hear that? Why did why? And as I prayed, I I knew that I was supposed to speak on Mother's Day about this first miracle, and I spent more time on whatever he says to you do it, but that's that's how the Lord led me to this passage. I'd like to say that it was an angel. I like to say that the scripture leaped off the page or it became fiery, but it was here in Pastor Jack's comedy routine on the Firkins and the, and the water jugs. And um, I, I am, I'm grateful in retrospect that pretty much that's what God brought us here to do and brought you here to do, that we would partner with the Father in his miraculous power being joined together with Jesus. And that we would be willing to see intercessors raised up in the banner of intercession, the banner of sonship around the world uh, to, to assert the kingdom regardless of what the enemy wants to do. That's basically been those two sermons 35 years ago has been the index for what we've lived together. But yet, who would have predicted the, the journey, the intricate changes, the ways that God said, I want to do something new. Are you willing to do it? And we said, yes. And then nobody really knew what was going to happen. And then boom, God visits. What a surprise. But yet in the middle of all of it, we're just trying to keep our, our head above water and keep things aligned with scripture and trying to make sure people don't kill one another and, you know, just, uh, just keep moving. That's the way it is with the Lord. My hour has not yet come. We live that. Because in God, and I'm ending with this, in God, the hour is always coming. And when it's there, you then move into the next hour. Isn't that the way it is with all of your clocks? The hour comes, and it doesn't take a stop. Okay, take a breather. Time stands still. And at one time that happened with Joshua. But the next hour begins, and that's the way. It seems like you're always walking in the journey with God for the hour that is emerging, for what God is wanting to do. But in God's eternal time frame where time is no more, he's got something new that's happening. So my hour has not yet come. Don't try to counsel me in what to do. Whatever he says, we'll do it. And we'll see what happens from here. I think that's wonderful. So if, if these things line up, whatever we have, we're about to have gallons of the best wine. The best wine for last. Whatever we have, we're going to be added to with some phenomenal disciples that are going to come alongside and serve the Father 
with us. God's prophesied that to a certain degree. And, you know, you've got, you've got one other son of thunder that's going to be added here. And you've got, uh, you've got Matthew that's going to be added. He wasn't even part of this batch yet. Um, some, some, mighty, some mighty ones are coming. But the hour has not yet come. But it is here. That's our place right now. So whatever it is that you're feeling, and I think God has spoken this very clearly today from Sunday school on through worship time to now, wherever you are, don't forget what God has said. The hour has not yet come, even though we're veterans in it. And that's exciting. So, Father, I thank you for the way that you've provided for us, the way you continue to provide for us. Throughout all these many years, we've seen so many changes and so many steps forward, so many who have uh, followed other things, but others that you've brought in miraculously. But through it all, the one common thread eternally is you. And we just want to continue to hear what you say and do it, but mostly be it with you. Thank you, Father, for your blessings. Thank you for what's ahead. I speak confidence. I speak assurity. I speak clarity. I speak encouragement, an infusion of the touch of your Spirit. Perhaps that's what that inclination for fire. Now let the fire of the Spirit come and Activate the things that, that uh, you have ordained to come alive in these days, both within us, in this house, and in the, the great, great thousands of people that you're joining with us um, to do your work. Let that fire of your purpose and your passion be ours. So on this Mother's Day, thank you for the wise advice of Mary. And thank you for your, for your example for us, Lord Jesus. Help us to be faithful to it. And we ask all of this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, all of you have a wonderful time in the Lord. God bless you. We'll see you soon.